Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. If you've been listening for a while, you are aware that we have no ads and we have no sponsors. We rely entirely on you. We rely on the Patreon model for people to pay it forward, keep the mics on, the conversations like the one you're about to hear happening. It's not a one-way street. There's tons of additional content all available right now on that Patreon feed. It's at the top of the podcast you're listening to now. So why not do me a favor while you're listening, click that link and join us for a month. Try it out. Throw us the price of a cup of coffee in the scone and think about it as your bit of monthly activism. We always say it's more than a podcast platform. It is activism. We are activists first and foremost and you'll be helping support that in the simplest way possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for everybody who likes and shares and recommends. But please do join us. It makes all the difference. I'm going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we continue to cover incidences that have uh, not gotten enough public attention. And, you know, we're doing this, Martin, this is now what, 1,030 of these we've podcasts we've done. And because we've done that, we've made connections with great people doing great work all across the globe. And this conversation, unfortunately, is, is, is it's, it's a sad story, but it is about another great organization that are doing great work. And, you know, it's always important that we say it at the outset because loads of you are gone um, by, the, by the last time when we're, when we're finishing. Say at the beginning. If you um, listen to this podcast and you get something out of it, why don't you click on secondtree.org? There's a big blue donate button and maybe throw them the, 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 the few quid to help them do the work that you're going to find out about. I mean, it's, we always say, Martin, it's activism as well as podcasting. Yeah? Oh, it has to be activism. Everything has to be based on activism. No use being just a keyboard warrior. You need to be more. Yeah. Um, and we are delighted to be joined by one of the founders of uh, Second Tree, Giovanni Fontana. And Giovanni, it's lovely to talk to you. I just wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah, of course. But it's important to talk about these things. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Not at all. Listen, Giovanni, you might let listeners know, first of all, like we, we, before we came on air, you told us how you were only in Dublin recently, but you're not in Dublin now. So if you could, will you tell us why you're no longer in Dublin and where you are and what and what actually brought you there uh, before we before we, gonna, we get into the work that you guys do? Yeah, I, I was I was in Ireland because we in with with our NGO, with our charity, we work in Greek refugee camps and we do projects with local authorities in Greece, but we also support other NGOs in in European countries. So we were like meeting organizations and local authorities in Ireland and also some professors at UCD. And I like we heard, the team heard that one of the people that we knew from from one of the refugee camps uh, we worked in had been shot by police in North Macedonia. This was something that, like, of a magnitude that I have never heard. Like, I've been working with refugees and in refugee camps for many years, but someone being shot by police was quite a huge thing. And so we started trying to reach this person we we actually heard it initially from other people in the camp then we saw a report that that didn't mention much said a migrant person we we found out who it was when a 23 year old woman from sierra leone called fatmata and we tried every possible avenue to talk to the husband he was in detention at the time and after that we managed to talk to him he was broken not only in tears but had gone through 
like many things with, with with the police that maybe we we will talk about. And he basically said, "Please, please come and help." And 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 as <laughs> like this is not something that we normally do. We do with education. We work in education. We work in integration. We are often the first point of contact for people who have just come to Europe, like refugees, asylum seekers, and we develop a relationship of trust. And basically, we were the only people that Abu Bakr, Fatmata's husband, knew, and that's why he asked us to come here. But when you came, you discovered that there were claims by the police that there had been a shot fired from uh, in, involving the, the refugees in the camps. And, and this is this is hotly disputed by both Abu Bakr and people witnesses to the, the shooting. Yes. So what what we found out the official version to be was that the, the shot was indeed fired by a policeman a border policeman, but this had happened because there was a scuffle with a driver slash smuggler. However, um, like talking to Abu Bakr and other people who were there, this this is not true. I have to say, Tony, that the fact that the Ministry of Interior admitted the bullet came from the gun of a policeman is already quite big. Like I I, ha- I hadn't heard of something like this, but it's also true that maybe something like this has happened in the past and we just don't know. Because one one, one important thing to understand is that like, people are constantly on the move. Abu Bakr and Fatmata had been rejected in asylum in, in Greece, and so that's why they tried to move to another country. They were trying to get to uh, Central European countries through the so-called Balkan route. And that's why they stopped in, well, they passed in North Macedonia. And when they were arrested, uh, him and his group was offered to a ride to the border with Serbia. So the police, who was supposedly arresting him because he was illegal, offered him to continue his journey. And if he had accepted, like everyone else in that group, no one would have heard about this case. He said, no, I want to fight for my wife's justice. And that is why we're talking about this and why we can have a... a like this legal fight here in North Macedonia. Tell us a bit about Verma. Tell us what she was like. Tell us, you know, how how far she had come to get to where she was. Like she, she was extremely, extremely lively. Like she was someone who was happy, joyful, quite uh, cheeky sometimes in her. Uh, way of questioning things and 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 when they were, like the last time I had that interaction with her was it's quite sad but I was I was calling her because she was late to a for a bus um, I I like for some you wouldn't have imagined that she was someone who lived in a refugee camp because she was someone very joyful very happy like one of the the videos that we've watched recently with with her husband, like he's actually here with me, like is the day that he gave her a bicycle as a present, and and like seeing her like that happy is is very beautiful. It's very beautiful. Um, I think the the fact that you are giving us this opportunity to talk about her as an individual, as a person with a personality. 
uh, is very important because we have heard many times about my young migrant being killed somehow or but but giving a name uh, a face some character traits to people is very important and and i don't think it's a chance is by chance that the ministry of interior statement didn't say that she was a woman didn't say that she was 23 year old didn't give name didn't give any detail because it contributed to the possibility of projecting her and and i'll add this I have engaged um, to lots of families of refugees and asylum seekers over the years, but I have to say that Patmata's family, who I've interacted every day for the past 10 days, unfortunately, are amazed. Like the, 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 the strength they have in such a tragedy, how much they want to fight for justice and truth, how how resilient they are. It, 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 it's very beautiful. It's sad that this has to happen, but we hope that what we were saying that maybe there has been a, there have been other cases that we don't know of. Doing this fight, we can change that. We can make like yeah, it's things it's, like it's this not happen anymore. It's it's really important work you're doing and trying to highlight and bring justice for Fatmata will also help bring justice for others possibly and change the situation. But it's really a tragedy that it's born out of. Um, you 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 referenced the her husband um and his 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 willingness to stay and fight. Uh, as has has he got outside of your group in secondary? Has he got a support network there, or is it just? Is, are you like one big family now? Well, like the thing is that we were not planning to come here. Like now, me, because I'm the person who has more experience dealings, dealing with institutions and contacts, and Juliette, who is our co program coordinator, who was the person who knew the couple the most, came here to support. Now we are meeting people. We are trying to find, connect with with organizations and individuals here in North Macedonia who want to help. We've met quite a good number of people and that's that that's very nice to be honest with you we're still trying to figure out what is the way that second tree can help here like what what is the way to ensure that this battle continues and that we can support Abu Bakr because of course as an organization we are based in Greece we do some trainings around Europe but but we work in refugee camps in Greece and we haven't done these kind of fights before. And as I told you before recording this podcast, Tony and Martin, we are here for Abu Bakr and especially for Fatima and, and her family. Like they are doing this fight and we are supporting them. How difficult is it to do this? <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. How difficult is it to do this fight from a refugee camp? Well, like in, in like in terms of like the situation, we we still are understanding the situation. Like in the sense that uh, we got to Macedonia a little more than one week ago. Uh, Abu Bakr had been here for thirty six hours, most of the time in in detention. Um, we are working on free areas like the the biggest like the most important area or the first one is the legal aspect so we are um like when 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 abu Bakr arrived here the police a lawyer was called this lawyer was probably not the best lawyer so we we found other lawyers 
with, with what we wrote on social media, other people offered to help. So we're trying to put together the best pro bono team to support him in the case. We're also trying to see if there are other good lawyers that could help non pro bono and maybe do a fundraiser for that. And so the, the, the fight in the, the legal fight in the North Macedonian system is the main fight. But beside that, and to support that, we are doing, we're working with institutions like international institutions that monitor the police here and international institutions that have an influence here. Like everyone in this country has told us, like, what is important is for eyes to be focused on this case. Like already the case has been scaled up from um, like the town where it, where it happened in Skoldevgilia to the capital Skopje and, and then to the higher office of the public prosecutor, which is, is important because that, that, that means that it's, mm. it's considered as a high profile case. And then of course, like for, the, the 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 case to have as much attention as possible uh, for media to talk about it for basically for people not to forget. But it's uh, it's, it's, a, it's very difficult in insofar as that people, as you said, who are seeking uh, asylum are on the move. So you know it's very difficult to to keep you know uh, if you want to locate witnesses you want to take evidence you want to have the you know find out what has happened and and that is a huge challenge I'd, I'd imagine and you know that's like that's why i was saying at the outset people should support the work you guys are doing because it is a very difficult situation to try and actually make sure you can help both uh, abu Bakr and 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 his 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 friends but you also have people who are mourning but you also have to do and try and actually help make sure the case is as strong as possible um i want to i want to say something that's really uh shocking is that um you didn't you didn't say it giovanni and, I, and, I, and i'm not doing it to, to try and upset anybody but abu Bakr believed that before um his wife was shot she was two months pregnant um and you know that that was their first child uh and, and we still don't have confirmation of that i i believe but but it's just it just adds an, a heartbreaking layer on top of a heartbreaking story. Um, uh, was that your understanding as well? Yeah, like what happened, like in the in the last months in Greece, uh, like Fatnat and Abu Bakr were like were rejected, so they had become illegal, so they didn't feel comfortable going. Uh, to a hospital because they couldn't use public transportation and and so they never got a test. What happened, as Abu, Abu Bakr had told us, and, and he's he's okay, like he's okay with us to share this, is that he had missed the last two periods. Of course, it could be because of stress. Like they were like she was convinced that she was pregnant at the moment. We don't know. We still don't know. We know that the autopsy has been performed. We know this unofficially, but we know that the public prosecutor has uh, requested for the autopsy to be classified until the end of his or her investigation. So this means that like Abu Bakr still doesn't know if his, his first child has died with, with his wife. How difficult it is, is it to negotiate the, the, the legal and the police system in, in Macedonia, we'll say in comparison to other countries? Like to be honest with you, Mark, I don't know. Like in the sense that we haven't done this kind of legal fight before. So what we're doing here is supporting 
a person who we know and who trusts us. Quite crucially, I think for him, there's also an emotional component. Not only we are people he trusts, but we are also the only people in the country that knew Fatima. And 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 so, you know, like there there are a number of peculiarities to every country. From what I understand here, like the influence of external attention here in North Macedonia, from what everyone says, is very important, both from the European Union and from American authorities. So we are working on that side as well. But I think one one important thing that I that I want to say is that the Fatima, Fatima, well, I, I want to say this, like, I call her Fatima, that is the term of endearment, mm. like her official name is Fatmata, as you said, like, but, like everyone used to call her Fatima, so that's why I refer her this way. Like, what I wanted to say is that her family is not after revenge or anything. They have said, we want to know the truth, and we want the world to know the truth of what happened. And if anything good can come from this tragedy, that's good. But like, you know, like we are not in a fight to... It's not a political fight, it's a humanitarian fight. It's not vengeance, Giovanni. It's just truth and honesty. That's all. It's not vengeance. Nobody's out for vengeance. They just want to know the truth. What can Irish people do to help? I think keep keeping talking about this is very important. It's very important that the uh, the story stays on the news. I think it's also important if anyone has any connection with any MPs or anyone that works at the European Parliament, or just to ask the question: Oh, but what about that woman, the young woman who was killed? Like, what happened there? Like, just for people in this country to understand, you know, like people are looking at this case. And also I, I have met a lot of very committed and wonderful people here in North Macedonia in the past 10 days. And 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 I want to say this because like I think like the first encounter that Abu Bakr had with a Macedonian was with the policeman who shot his wife. The second encounter was with the another policeman who, when he asked to be taken in the ambulance to the hospital with her, told him, no, but I will take you with the car. And instead of taking him on with the police car to the hospital, took him to detention. The third encounter was the policeman who, while he was taking pictures to his wife's clothes that he had as evidence handcuffed him. So like his 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 outlook with 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 people in this country was very negative. And I think that in the past few days that has been changing and we've received a lot of support and a lot of offered for help and a lot of people saying like you know we want to talk about this. This is something that should have never happened and we support you in this fight. So I, th th there are people that have gone way beyond what was required of them by their job or or, or, or anything. Like probably someone also risked their job to help us. So I want to f thank these people. Can I ask uh, uh, Martin? You, you, Martin is right to ask about what people can do. But also, we often talk on this podcast about fortress Europe and how it's becoming more dangerous for migrants. Uh, and it's so the the 
you know, you, you've obviously got years of experience on this. You, you've seen these these cases uh, in twenty nineteen. The uh, the European Parliament voted to not enhance the, the the search and rescue services, and it was um, Irish MEPs who famously voted uh, with the far right for it not to happen. I think it was five of the of our of our of our members of Fine Gael, which are in government uh, still, they they voted against it. How dangerous, or has it become more dangerous now? You know, especially when people are trying to make these crossings or they're trying to move within within the internal borders of the EU how dangerous and is it becoming more dangerous Giovanni well for sure the the, the characterization of fortress Europe is correct like there are walls and border police being uh, strengthened like I think one important figure is that like the um, the budget of Frontex, which is an agency that started in the 2000s, uh, I think uh, 300, like increased 300 fold in, in, in until the last budget. So this is what Europe is choosing, like the way to approach uh, migration is through keeping people out. And it's also important to note that the, the, in the budget from 2021 to 2027, which is the current one, like Frontex has more budget than AMIS, which is the fund for, for migration. In terms of the, the, the internal borders, I, I would say that um, like Greece is quite a special case. Like we work in Greece because Greece is a little bit like Ireland in the sense that it's one of the few uh, like it is one of the few countries that is removed from the others. Like not like Ireland because Ireland is an island, but because Greece is the only Schengen country that doesn't border any other Schengen country. So when the European Union tried to use first Erdogan or Turkey as a sort of uh, buffer, and that failed because Erdogan started using refugees as a weapon. Then they try to do the same with Greece, like almost like a parking space for people not to move to other countries. So at the moment, you know, like if you're in Italy or Spain, which are the two other big arrival countries, it's relatively easy to move to other European countries because there are no borders. If you're in Greece, you either have to take a plane or you have to take a boat or you go through the so-called Balkan route, which is the one that Fatima and, and, and Abu Bakr were, were taking. Giovanni, can I ask you, because we, we get a lot of rhetoric in Ireland about uh, refugees and migrants coming to Ireland, but compared to Greece, Macedonia, other countries, Ireland's not really doing a whole lot, are they? Like, I, 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 I don't, I would rather not comment on this because everyone what I think is that everyone's doing too little. And I put it like this, like Greece is receiving more migrants, but not because the Greek migrant, the Greek government wants, but because Greece is at the border. And the same thing is with I'm Italian originally with Italy and, and to some extent Spain. So like for sure, geographically, Ireland is in a, a geographic location in which it has the advantage that it can choose the migrants that get there. Like there are a lot of there, there's a, a lot of good work that has been going on uh, with 
safe passages, um, community sponsorships. I think I think on this front, Ireland is quite pioneering, but it def definitely could do more. And like, I think we we all know what the benefits of migration are, but I think probably a criticism that we can give ourselves is that often we talk about this only in terms of what is ethically good, but probably to to explain things to, let's say, my aunt or someone that that maybe doesn't have doesn't share the same uh, idea. We should explain why you know having migrants is good for everyone. For the economy, for healthcare, for for everyone, and probably this is like what I would say to people who are trying to fight for the for the same cause. There's a, just a quote I want to use, Martin, is one that Richard Murphy, uh, who's uh, Professor Richard Murphy, who co contributes to us regularly, um, said about in the UK. There's a lot of anti-migrant sentiment, you know, that has been stoked up a lot recently, and he makes the point that you're more likely in the NHS and their National Health Service to be looked after by a migrant health worker than to have someone standing in front of you in the queue who's a migrant. So you know, like as you said, Giovanni, they, that's enhancing their their health service let alone their economy and their society so yeah i think i think it's a fair point and uh, I, I yeah i just think it's a really interesting way richard frames it giovanna before we go and i would like to remind people fatima was 23 a young woman um whole life in front of her we have plenty of 23 year old women leave ireland to go and live elsewhere um if one of them was shot we would most certainly be shouting from the rafters just because Fatima is not from Ireland doesn't mean she's less of a human, doesn't mean she was less loved. And I think the work you do is brilliant. And I think what you're doing here is brilliant. Uh, it's a very sad circumstance. And as you said, it's not about revenge. It's about truth. It's about knowing what happened. And I think we have to come away from this podcast. Just to remember, Fatima is a human being, 23-year-old, young woman, young woman, and we can't forget that. We can't forget the humanity involved in this. We can't just say another refugee, another migrant. We can't. So thank you very much for coming on, Giovanni, and, and well done on the work that Secretary does. Thank you, and thank you for these words as well. Yeah, listen, folks, we have we've lots coming your way. Um, you may have seen, uh, unfortunately, uh, a Palestinian hunger striker died after 87 days. Uh, Adnan, Adnan died under circumstances where it is suspected he received no medical attention from Israeli uh, officials or or health workers. So um, I was in contact with someone in the Palestinian territories or in Gaza today, and they are trying to set something up because the concern is obviously that there will be another escalation. So we will cover that as well um, when we get the correct um, the correct voice to talk to us and we can connect successfully. Sometimes it's difficult to get st stable connections with Gaza, but um, it's it's another very sad case uh, and something that uh, that we the world needs to pay attention to. Thanks so much to Giovanni uh, for his time. Thanks for him supporting Abu Bakr in this struggle for justice for Fatmata. And if you can, guys, it's secondtree.org. There's a big blue button that says donate. So please do. Talk to you all very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on 